How's that? If that's the worst that's going to happen today, y'all, that's pretty good. That's great. All right, we're going to look at Psalm 24 today. Uh, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 24, uh, I just want to say uh, we have a great staff of people. We have some great volunteers. We got some great children. We got some great youth. God has really worked this past week, and uh, it has been a wonderful, wonderful week of Vacation Bible School. And as Pastor Seth said, we're on our way to camp next week. So that's uh, so. It's, so be praying for them as he asked, and that's going to be really, really important because uh, we have. Uh, some students that need to grow in the Lord. We got some adults going that need to grow in the Lord. We all need to, to grow in the Lord. So it's a wonderful time to do that. So if you open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 24, this we're going to look at is a hymn. And so we sang a hymn, one of the first songs that we sang. Some of those are very familiar to us. In Scripture, there and the hymns, a lot of the Psalms, or a good many of the Psalms, are songs that were originally designed to be sung as you entered into the worship service. And so today we're going to look at Psalm chapter 24, uh, and, it's, and it's, um, it's a picture of all of God's people, and they're gathering together for worship, and they're about to enter into the temple. And so if you could kind of see that in your mind, you've got this massive giant building, and all of God's people are kind of gathering together all about the same time. They're kind of congregating uh, together before they enter into the temple, and it's a recognition of God's glory, this psalm that we're going to look at, and, and it's, it's designed to direct the heart of his people to worship. And so as all of these people are gathering together, God is wanting to have the membership, have the people prepared, their hearts prepared, before they enter into worship service. And so one of the things that I would like to just encourage you to do is to kind of take some notes, write this down on the back of the pew as a QR code. You can scan that with your phone. It'll bring up some notes for you. But it's just a way, but I would encourage you to kind of take some mental notes of the next time I go to church or the next time I go into a worship service to be thinking, I need to prepare my heart for worship. And so we're, we're entering into a relationship with the Holy God. We're entering into His presence in here. We're, we're gathering together as a body of believers, followers of Jesus. And so we don't just approach God any old way. He encourages us to prepare our hearts. And so this, this psalm is designed to do that. And so the, it celebrates God's coming into the holy city and the fact that they were going to see Him. And so true worship... Uh, or the heart of worship is an all-consuming desire to give God all that we are to all that he is. And so we're coming together and we're saying, God, this is who I am. This is all of me, Lord. I am giving all of myself to you in this, in this time of worship. And he, in the same, is going to be uh, giving himself to us as well uh, in his presence and in all these different things. So it's, we're entering into this, to this uh, relationship with him. And so Psalm 24, again, is this picture of all of these worshipers, and they're arriving, uh, and, they're, and they're celebrating, and, someone, and someone's going to shout out a comment, and then there's going to be these priests, these religious leaders that are going to shout a comment back. And so you kind of have this large gathering, and they're going back and forth, and they're, they're kind of preparing their hearts. They're getting ready. And so what they say is the, the celebrators are saying, who can join? Who can go into church? Who can enter into the temple? And the, and, the, and the priest replies back, those who have aligned themselves, who have ordered themselves with God. And the actions and the motives are pure, and, and they're, they're going away from falsehood and idols. And so we're going to be looking at all of these things in this text. 
And we're going to also see that God is going to give us righteousness. Because we have to have righteousness to get into the temple. And we're going to see why in just a moment. So before we fully jump into it, now that you've got your finger there, uh, uh, and if you need a Bible, there's one on the back pew for you, Psalm chapter 25. Let's, let's just pray. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, I just thank you for the fact that we are able to gather together. And Lord, you are sovereign and all that exists is under your domain. Everything and everyone on earth is under your sovereign control. And this morning we come before you to worship you. And you have said in your word, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in this holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Lord, you have given us pure hearts and clean hands through our Savior Jesus. But there's so many times we go back to the world, we allow ourselves to be led away from you. And so, Lord, this morning I pray that you will draw us close to you through your word and through the Holy Spirit. Lord, we seek your face this morning. We desire to know you and know how to apply your word to our hearts and Lord we pray these things in Jesus name amen alright the first thing that we're going to see in, in, the, in the psalm here is a recognition of God's power look at verse 1 a recognition of God's power verse 1 says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and the world and those who dwell therein for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers so again, this psalm, this preparation of our hearts begins with the recognition that the earth and everyone in it is the Lord's. This includes people, all the people under the Lord's dominion. It doesn't matter if someone believes in him or not, right? It doesn't matter if you're a follower of God or a follower of Christ. All people are under his dominion. He is still in control of all things. It doesn't matter if we're being obedient to him or not. He's still in control. He is still in charge. He still reigns. And God has his authority because he made it. God made the world. Uh, and because he made it, he has authority over it. And so we begin to learn about worship by looking at the difference between the creator and the created order. There is a distinct difference between us and God. Right? There is but one God and we're the creation. We don't get to tell, uh, tell him what to do. He tells us what to do. We don't get to choose what's right and wrong. He chooses what's right and wrong. He has created everything and he is powerful enough to create and establish creation from nothing we on the other hand when we create things we take stuff that's already been made like wood I love carpentry I love to to work with wood and so I don't just create wood though out of thin air I have to go and buy wood at Lowe's or some sawmill somewhere and I create some beautiful artwork yeah <laughs> sometimes Right, but I cre I would create. That's my cre That's how mankind creates. God creates from nothing. We take what's already there and make something out of it. So He is wonderful in that. And also, it is God who not only created the world, but He also sustains it. So uh, we, the earth and everything in it, is dependent upon God for its continued existence. The fact that things are still held in order, that they are here, is because God sustains his creation. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. It says, he, meaning Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. So if you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. Like He's the exact imprint. And he upholds the universe. He upholds it by his word of his power. So we need God. 
We need God whether we know it or not because He is the one that sustains everything. Every breath you take, every heartbeat you have, every thought that you have, all, all that we are is sustained and held together by God. Psalm 104, 27 says, Those are these all look to you to give them their food in dear season, in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. And when you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. All of these things that we see is that God creates and he sustains. But he is not a, a deistic God. He's not a God who stays far away. He's not a God who just created it and tossed it off into space. That's not what we see in the Bible. But the Lord comes to his creation. He gathers close to us. His creation because he desires to come close to us, to us, we must prepare for his coming. We must prepare for his presence. He came to Adam and Eve, remember, in the cool of the garden. He would go and gather, and they would go, and, and they would be there with him. We see that with Abraham and Sarah, he would gather and come to them. We see that the earth, that, that he came to the earth and was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless, perfect life for about 30 years. And so we, we, the God we worship loves his creation. He desires to gather close to it. And so it's a God who creates, it's a God who sustains, and it's a God who loves. He loves his creation. And we also see in John the Baptist's ministry, in the early part of the Gospels, that, John, that John's ministry was to prepare the way for the Lord's arrival. And look what he says, because if we're to prepare our hearts, if we're to get ready for God's coming, for us to gather together, what does that look like? And so John the Baptist gives us a hint of that. Look in uh, Matthew chapter 3. He says, repent, for the kingdom of, of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who has spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way, make his path straight. We have to repent of our sin. We have to turn from our sin. We have to make our path straight. So entering the worship of God means that we prepare our hearts for the person that we're going to meet there. God is here. He is present. And we go and we meet with him. And we gather with him. God who created us, who sustains us by his power, by his word, and all of creation around us. This God is here. And we can go and meet with him. Or can we? So that's kind of the question we get to next, right? This is the next thing, is there's this revelation of God's purity. Look at what it says in verse 3. Who shall ascend to the hill? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and pure heart. Who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully? He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the grace of his salvation such is, this, such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of God of Jacob. So among all the inhabitants of the earth, who is acceptable to come before the Lord? Who, who can appear before this sovereign king? Or how, what must a person do to prepare themselves, to prepare, to go before this awesome king that we see? It's the hill of the Lord. It's a reference to Mount Zion or Jerusalem. It's the, the temple, the holy place where God dwelled above the Ark of the Covenant. And if we, if we ask the question a different way, it would be, who may stand in this holy place? So if you think of Jerusalem and you think of the temple, 
right? And uh, and the temple was divided in the holy place and the most holy place, the holy of holies. Who can go into the holy of holies? Who can enter into the holy place? Who is spiritually qualified to fellowship with this awesome king? The answer to this question is, who has clean hands and pure heart? Clean hands speaks of the person's uh, purity on the outward things that they do, Pure heart speaks of the person's inner soul that is holy and undefiled, that's set apart to God without any moral defilement. No wrong action on the outside, no wrong action on the inside. A person's life must be pure and clean if God is to be approached in worship and fellowship. Specifically, this requires that a person not lift up his soul to an idol. This is what it's referencing here. So you need to be pure on the outside, pure on the inside. And then he he highlights the fact, especially do not give yourself to an idol. So he must not have other gods before his love and loyalty to the one true God. An idol is anyone or anything that a person loves or serves more than God. We're not thinking about some little stone statue that people bow to. It's anything that comes before the Lord. So you're saying my kids could be an idol? Absolutely. My job could be an idol? Absolutely. My spouse? Absolutely. Uh, My hobby? Totally. Absolutely. Right? Anything that comes before you and the Lord, that is an idol. All right, and, and God says you have to root those things out. You've got to get rid of the idols. He has to come first in everything. So when the, the psalmist speaks of not swearing deceitfully, he is speaking of not placing higher allegiance above anyone. So don't say you're following God and I love God and all these other things while at the same time putting lots of things or anything before him. That's speaking deceitfully. You're, you're lying, right? God, these things come before the Lord. He says don't speak deceitfully. Another way to define uh, this idea of idolatry is not lifting ourselves to emptiness. This is making the inner soul or thing that makes you alive, that deepest part of who you are. I want you to think about this for a second. Think about that thing that's within you, that makes you, you, that deepest part, your soul. You're going to give that to something other than God. That's giving it to something that at the end of the day is emptiness. It's going to cause emptiness. How many of you have ever had a time in your life when you have really wanted this one thing, whatever it is, this one thing, and so you saved for it, you planned for it, you did all of these things, right? You you poured into, I got it, and you finally got it, whatever that thing was, like, I got it, and then it wasn't like five minutes later, a day later, maybe a week, suddenly it's like, that's not, I I thought it was cool, and it was cool at the time, but now... It's not all that great anymore. That's the emptiness that comes when we give our heart and soul into something that just causes emptiness. We all have done it. Everybody has sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all, we all give ourselves over to these things, and we're all like, we still have this feeling of emptiness on the inside. We say, I thought this thing would make me happy. I thought this would fill me up, but at the end it doesn't. We keep giving ourselves over to emptiness. And so the requirement to enter into God's presence is an outward and inward perfection okay so here's the question who could enter into the presence of the Lord who could enter into this temple who can go and praise him and be a part of God only those who are perfect on the inside 
and perfect on the outside. How many of us can now enter into the temple? I'm out. I'm just going to say I'm out. I can't go in. There might be a perfect person sitting in here, but I doubt it. I doubt it. So now you've got all these people that have gathered at the gates, and now we're all like, yahoo, let's, let's go in and worship. Because uh-uh, the only people that can enter into here are those who are perfect, who have never done anything wrong. So the worshiper who enters into the presence of the Lord must have an understanding that they need grace and mercy. This is what this should drive us to, is that I realize I am a sinful person. I do things with my hands that are not clean, and I do things with my inner soul and my heart that is not clean, and so they are not pure, and so therefore I'm in trouble because now I'm separated from God. The only people that can enter into his presence are those who are perfect. I have to have God's grace, and I have to have God's mercy. I have to. So that's, this, is, this is what the gospel drives us to. It's this idea that you are not good enough to enter into heaven. Oh, well, what, you're calling me a sinner? The Bible is, yes, right? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all in the same boat together, right? No one can enter into, into his presence because none of us are perfect. But we need his grace and mercy. So the psalm is clear that the person is so described in verse 4 is in need of a savior. He is in need of righteousness. And so the blessing that the repentant worshiper receives, right, saying you will be blessed. What's the blessing that we receive is righteousness and forgiveness from God. Look at Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you future and a hope. What is the future and the hope? The future and the hope is eternal life. It is forgiveness of our sin. And then it goes on to say, then you will call upon me and pray to me and I will hear you. The future and the hope is our faith in Christ and our forgiveness of sin. Then... I will call upon him. When I am forgiven of my sin and I realize that I am in need of grace and mercy, Lord, and then I call upon the Lord, I call upon him. And then in verse 13, you will seek me and find me. He's not hiding, he's right here. He wants to have this relationship. Remember, he gathers to his people. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Not deceitful words about how you love the Lord and all of that. Truthfully, seeking after the Lord with all your heart and he's right here he's right here he's like I'm ready I'm ready to have a relationship with you I'm ready to talk I'm ready to let's spend some time together but you can't do it by being fake you can't do it by being phony or being religious you have to be genuine in your heart to seek the Lord and he's right here and then he says there's a realization of God's presence in verse 7 Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, and he is the King of glory. The gates themselves that are closed in the temple are commanded to open their doors wide. Open up and be ready to receive the king of glory. Now in David's time, they would have the Ark of the Covenant, right? So that's the, if you're going to see Raiders of the Lost Ark, the movie, right? You've got the, the, cat, the box with the angels on the top. And you've got the, the two long bars on either side of it. And the priest, only the priest, would carry the Ark 
All right? And so they would, there would be this procession where they would go into the temple with the ark and it would be celebratory and it would be praising the Lord. We see something similar to this in when Jesus came uh, on Palm Sunday. So Jesus enters into the gates of Jerusalem on a colt, remember, and there's waving the palm branches. Hosanna! Hosanna! And then we'll see it again one other time when he comes in glory, when he appears before his people and he calls all to him. But this is the, when it refers to the ascension of Christ, the heavenly Zion, when he is enthroned on the right hand. So, from within the city is asked this question, who is the king of glory? Who is this, right? First off, we ask, who can enter in? Well, you, ha it's, you can only enter in if you are pure and perfect and holy. And then the second question is, who is this king of glory? It is those carrying the ark, those within the city itself, and those who have given the, the king of glory their hearts who then yell out, the Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Who is this? He is the one who is mighty in battle. This is the one who could enter into the presence of God. Can you enter into the presence of God? No. Only this one, this mighty one, can enter into the presence of God. The one who can enter the city, whose gates fly open as his presence, but remain closed to everyone else, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus appears before the gates. Oh, gates, fly open. Open your gates wide. They remain closed for everyone else. It is the Lord who has shown himself strong and mighty in defending all of the people's enemies. How has this Jesus been, has shown himself to be strong and mighty? How is he the strong and mighty king? Look at 1 Corinthians. What battle did he win? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that was written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is this one who is strong in victory? His name is Jesus. And how is he a mighty king? He has overcome sin and death. And so when he appears before the gates, they fly open wide. When we see the psalmist in verse 5, he says, He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Salvation means deliverance, rescue, victory, help liberty all these things mankind is entangled and held captive by sin and death we are all sinners we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and we are entangled in all of that how do we get disentangled how do we get out of it Jesus came as the Savior he has brought us salvation to set us free from sin and death he is the one, he is the only one who is mighty enough to save us and therefore none other deserves worship and our devotion but him. Do you guys see that? There's no one else that's going to give you eternal life. There's no one else that's going to, to rid you of sin and death and all these things. There's but one, Jesus Christ. And so he alone is worthy of our worship. And when we take something and put it in front of him, do you see, not see how, a, how awful and evil that is? Right? Our job did not give us eternal life. Right? Our children, as much as we love them,
do not give us eternal life. They did not, there's no one that could give their life and die for our sin. There's no one else that could provide the way but Jesus. God sees the blood of Jesus when he sees us, and our hands become clean and our hearts become pure. How is it that your hands are clean and your heart is pure? It's because of Jesus Christ. So when God sees us, he sees the blood that was shed by Jesus on the cross. And you say, well, I'm still a sinner. Yes, you are, and I am too. But now I've put my faith in Jesus Christ. I have put my faith in what he did on the cross. And therefore, my relationship with God has been restored. It has been reestablished. The gates are told, lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up. They are told to lift up their heads and not bow down before the Lord. So when we enter into worship with God, yes, we bow down before him in reverence for who he is. But God is telling us to be joyful and anticipate hope. So when we gather together as a body of believers, we gather together in celebration and joy. Why are we so excited? Why are we so happy as a people? Because God has saved us. He has done a mighty work in us. We realize it's only because of his grace and his mercy that we are saved. And so therefore, when we enter into it, I'm joyful that I get to meet with Jesus today. I'm joyful that the Holy Spirit is going to do a work in my heart today. I am joyful and excited that what he's doing in my life. And so I can't help but sing his praises and be joyful about it. The gates are told to lift up, O gates, lift it up. Psalm 3.3. If you, if you want to memorize a verse, I want you to memorize this verse. right? Psalm 3.3. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, the lifter of my head. We all are weighed down by sin. We're all weighed down by past mistakes we've done. We've all done stupid stuff. We've all carried that weight. We all do that. But God says, no, no, no. Let, I'm going to take that weight off of you. And it's like, as though he like reaches down and he goes, you don't have to carry that burden anymore. I've taken care of that. I took, all, I took care of all of that on the cross. It's all been forgiven. It's all done. And he reaches down and he lifts your head up. And so you lift your head up and you say, I don't have to live under this shame and, and, and just self-doubt and all that. I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to live that way. I have been freed. I have been disentangled of my sin. And now I walk before the Lord. I can enter into his presence. I can sing his praises. And my head is lifted up. He is the lifter of your head. Praise the Lord. Is that not a reason to gather together and to sing his praises and to shout what he has done? And so when our hearts are right before the Lord and when we understand who it is that we stand before and who it is we bow down to worship, we respond to God with reverence and humility, praise, and devotion. And during that time, he will come in his Holy Spirit and he will lay something upon your heart and he will say, you need to deal with this. We need to work through this. And you're going to work through it and you're, gonna, you're not going to struggle with it. It's, or it may be a struggle and then, you, and then, you, and then he's going to show you something else and he's going to show you something else. And, you, and that's what it means to grow in your walk with the Lord. You need to be growing and walking with him because he's going to do a work in your life. You're not going to be the same person you are right now a year from now and then two years from now and then five years from now because God is working in our lives. He is rooting out sin. He's making us more like his son, Jesus Christ, and he should be doing it each and every day. The person's life 
will never rise above their view of God. I want you to think about that. Your life is never going to be beyond what you think, understand who God is. If you see him high and lifted up and you're going to think highly of him, then our lives will be marked by holiness and seeking to do great things in his mighty name. But if your view of God is low, then we will live a low life and it will be focused on your own self-interest. And God is distant, he's far away, he's all these things, he doesn't care about me. Those are all lies, that's not true. That is not what we see in scripture. The, the God of scriptures is the God who draws close. The God who gives himself completely to us so that we may have a relationship with him. And that he desires to daily draw close to you and to be together. Do you know that? Do you know that God? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? First off. I want to do something similar than what we talked about with the children because it's the same gospel. It's, it's not a kid's version and an adult version. It's the, same, it's the same gospel. A is admit that you're a sinner. You have to come to a time in your life when you realize that, yes, I have sinned, and I have done things that I know displease the Lord. You heard Sean in the baptismal. Have you had a time when you have sinned? He said, yes, I have. Have you had a time where you have sinned? Yes, you have, but you have to be willing to admit it. If you're sitting here going, no, you know, Drew, I never killed anybody. I'm, I, you know, I pay my taxes. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a good person. You don't understand anything I've talked about today. Right? You need to get to a point to where you understand that you are a sinner, just like everybody else. And because of that, you are separated from God. God can't, will not allow you into the holy temple. You cannot enter in because you do not have clean hands. You do not have a pure heart. And you have put things before him, idols. You have put stuff before God. And because of that, you are distanced. You are living deceitful words where you're telling yourself, I'm a good person, God loves me. That's not what the scriptures tell us. Then you believe. Believe who Jesus is. Believe that Jesus was the Son of God who came and died on a cross so that we could be forgiven of our, of our sin. We believe what the Bible says. We understand who God is. Do you believe that? And then C is confess him as Lord and Savior, which means Lord means he's now in charge. You're going to say, Lord, I am your disciple. I'm, I'm now your follower. Uh, you are the creator and sustainer of all of creation. You have died on the cross for me. I'm going to follow you. I'm, you are now Lord and Savior of my life. Savior is he is the only way for you to enter into the gates of heaven, enter into Mount Zion, enter into a relationship with him. Do you understand that? Have you done that today? We're going to have a time of invitation. Greg's going to come. He's going to lead us in a song. I'm going to be standing here at the front, and we're going to encourage you to do something with this information that you've heard. And it could be that the Holy Spirit is drawing your heart. He's pulling you. He's like, I need to be saved. I need to give the Lord my life. I know I have put things before him my entire life. I've lived for myself my entire life, and now I am ready to give him my life. If that's you, you could come. And we can pray together. And we can be right. You can be made right with the Lord today. Can, all, that weight that you're carrying can go away. It can be lifted. He can lift up your head today. We can take care of that right now. You could also be a believer here this morning who knows that you are living deceitful words. You put your faith in Jesus maybe a while back, but you know that right now you're not where you need to be. Let's get that right today. Let's, 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 let's ask God to forgive you. You could come and pray in your seat. You could pray up here on the on this, these steps, 
Just don't leave today without doing what you feel the Holy Spirit is directing you to do. Greg, you lead us.